I'm Eileen Dunn and this is The God Slot. As world leaders and ordinary citizens gathered in a South African sports stadium on Tuesday to remember Nelson Mandela, anti-abortion groups pushed a message that went against the global outpouring of praise. The anti-apartheid leader, they argued, backed a sweeping abortion rights law that negated any good he achieved. Nelson Mandela was no saint, wrote the editor of The Interim, an anti-abortion paper in Canada. My concern is with pro-lifers and Christians joining in the praise. However, the political editor of The Telegraph, Peter Oburn, wrote, There are very few human beings who can be compared to Jesus Christ. Nelson Mandela is one. Well, 20 years ago in 1993, Nelson Mandela was named one of Time magazine's People of the Year. This year, that honour has fallen to Pope Francis, who, the magazine says, has captured the imagination of millions in a short space of time. Pope Francis had been occasionally criticised for not paying much attention to the issue of clerical sex abuse. But last Thursday, Boston's Cardinal Sean O'Malley communicated the Pope's approval of a proposal submitted by the Council of Eight Cardinals to create a commission for the protection of minors. While here in Ireland on Tuesday, the National Board for Safeguarding Children in the Catholic Church published its audit of six dioceses and two religious orders. To discuss these and related matters, we're joined by survivor of clerical sex abuse and activist Mary Collins in studio and from our Galway studios by Father Tony Flannery of the Association of Catholic Priests. You're both very welcome to the God slot. Thank you. Mary, you're no stranger. The last time we spoke to you on this programme, you were in Rome attending a symposium on child abuse. At that time, you were quite optimistic. How are you feeling now? Uh, I was optimistic then uh, because um, just holding the symposium on, on, on child abuse was, was a positive step. And uh, I heard Monsignor Cicluna, who was the promoter of justice in the Vatican, speak, and he was very determined to make bishops accountable. I did have a, a disappointment last September, I think it was, when he, he was uh, promoted and, and moved out of the Vatican. Uh, but the setup now of the new commission is another hopeful sign. Um, I think they, they must do one thing, putting in place safeguarding policies and uh, procedures for looking after victims, etc., will be totally useless unless there is some accountability put in place as well. If there's no sanction that can be taken about a bishop who ignores uh, safeguarding policies that these uh, this commission puts in place, then it's a waste of time and a waste of effort. So I would like to see accountability, the one thing that uh, this commission needs to put in place. Now, <clears throat> we're a bit short on detail as yet, but Bishop Cicluna is mentioned as one of those who may feature, as indeed is our own Archbishop Dermoth Martin. I, I hope Bishop Cicluna is because he does have a determination that... Uh, bishops should be made accountable and that there should be sanctions if they don't follow the proper procedures. And that's what impressed me in Rome last year because he had that determination. He also has an enormous amount of experience having uh, dealt with abuse cases from around the world for a number of years. Uh, he really gets it. He understands what's needed. Bishop Cicluna is at a, a, a world level. Uh, Archbishop Martin is at a local level, but he has dealt with an enormous diocese that had an enormous problem. He has 
uh, met and helped a lot of survivors. He has been praised by a lot of survivor groups for what he has done and how he has worked. So I think his experience at diocesan level uh, of actually um, putting in place safeguarding and actually doing the work on the ground would also be a very positive uh, contribution to a commission like this. Father Flannery, what was your reaction to the announcement of this commission? Oh, basically very positive, like so much that Pope Francis is doing at the moment. Uh, I think it has to be a positive step, and I'd agree with what Mary said. I'd add uh, a further thing there, uh, maybe two things. The personnel of this commission is going to be very important, just as, say, the personnel of the uh, Senate and the family is going to be very important. And, you know, while uh, Mary mentions two very worthy church people, I think it will be of crucial importance that uh, expert lay people be involved and even more particularly expert women will be involved in this commission. (laughs) I would think, for instance, somebody like Mary Keenan would be a great person on a commission like that. The other concern I have is a more general one about the whole church's policy in this area. Uh, As the audit the other day showed up, a lot of good things have happened, a lot of procedures have been put in place which are very important. I still think that the church is holding back on delving into the deeper issues. Uh, What I'm talking about here is the whole Catholic tradition on sexuality and uh, sexual teaching, I think, uh, and indeed celibacy. I think there's a whole field there that's underlying all of this, and we need to begin to open that up to and look at it. And until we do that, we won't have really solved, insofar as anyone can ever solve, the problem of clerical sexual abuse. Mary, would you agree with that? Yes, I would certainly agree with that. And I, I would add to what Father Tony has said about women, etc., being on the commission. They have spoken about uh, experts who deal with survivors being on the commission. But... Uh, I think they should listen to survivors themselves. So there should be somebody who is a representative of survivors, a survivor themselves, uh, from an organisation that actually is is dealing with survivors. So not just church experts, uh, but actual people. Nobody knows better what a survivor needs in the way of help and healing than a survivor themselves. And I remember you telling us 18 months ago that when you went and addressed that symposium, some of the people say bishops from the Philippines and places like that where they hadn't dealt with the problem in the way that we have in the Western world, if you like, but were impressed maybe is, is the wrong word, but quite moved by your own testimony. They were because <clears throat> it was a totally new experience for them. They had attended symposiums and things in their own countries and they had uh, read a lot, but they had never actually heard a survivor themselves give their own experience and their own view of, of what was necessary. And I think that's what uh, really moved them and, and impressed them and actually brought home to them what they needed to do for other survivors. And I think that's why somebody, uh, not just uh, an expert, a psychologist or somebody like that who deals with survivors, but somebody who actually has the experience of having been abused by a cleric and has dealt with the church. Um, so that I think there are, there are many people around the world who could do that, but I think it's something that the church shouldn't shy away from. There is a tendency to fear survivors. I know when I went to Rome, the initial... Uh, feeling from the bishops who admitted it to me. They were quite afraid of hearing a survivor speak. I think they felt that I was going to, you know, berate them or be angry with them, whatever. They didn't actually expect a constructive 
dialogue, which is what they got. So I think that fear of survivors and not being able to deal with them should be put aside and they should have a survivor representative on that commission. Father Tony, come back to the audit. You mentioned it there. The National Board seems satisfied with the way cases are being dealt with in the six dioceses reviewed. Yeah, generally, I suppose it is a positive story from that point of view. Now, <laughs> you have to say that from another point of view, it's a further, saga, a further chapter in a long and sorry sordid saga of clerical sexual abuse. But lessons would appear to be learned and it's good to know that. With the exception then of the, of the missionaries, though, where they seem to still think that the problem is being exported. Yes, and I really couldn't comment very much on that, Eileen, because I never worked as a foreign missionary. I have never been to Africa. Uh, Those who have been there tell me it's such a different culture uh, that maybe it needs a different type of approach to the one we've had in Ireland. But I really don't know, and I wouldn't have anything further to say on that. Okay, fair enough. Mary, would you have a a view on that? I think there's a lot of positives in the audits. There are some negatives uh, uh, one I would would say came up quite regularly in the in the audits was the fact that uh, victims were not getting pastoral care, that things were too legalistic, and I think that's something survivors have been saying for many 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 years, and it's sad really that that is still there, um, that the legal attitude is 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 uh, you know it's it's negating uh, the the possibility of uh, pastoral care. Um, some some of what was said is where uh, things are not quite up to date the way they should be and they weren't done until maybe 2008 policies put in place and reporting. And that was really when the National Board, Neil Elliott, came, came in, Ian Elliott came in. Uh, I'd like to see his replacement. He, he left in June and I think the National Board now, um, it would be good to see who is going to replace him permanently uh, because the board is doing good work and... Uh, I hope it will continue in that. There's another aspect of it that I would have liked to have seen highlighted or at least mentioned. I know in my own personal dealings as a member of the Association of Catholic Priests, I know of definite three cases of false allegations in those dioceses, one in Kerry, one in Osri, one in uh, Armagh. And in each case, the priest went through an absolutely horrible two to three years in his life until eventually it became clear that the allegation was false. Now, I'm not for a moment saying that the majority or anything like that are false, but there are instances of it, and I would have liked uh, if the audit had acknowledge that fact in those dioceses. Well, we did an item recently on the programme on your association's reaction to the Murphy report and you weren't on the programme then. What would you have said if you were? In that uh, study that uh, we commissioned uh, Fergal Sweeney to do on the Murphy report, we it, it, it's... It is complex, of course, because if you in any way begin to critique something like the Murphy Report, people tend to presume you want to dismiss the whole findings of it, which, of course, we don't because we think the Murphy Report was enormously significant in its findings and and did great good in exposing what it, uh, the terrible abuse that went on. Two simple but very basic points we wanted to highlight and not specifically concerning the Murphy Report, but concerning the whole process of justice. Number one, the 2004 Act, which was the Act uh, that set up the Commissions of Inquiry, 
has a weakness in it which was highlighted at the time by Joe Costello and by Jim O'Keefe in the Dáil debate that it doesn't sufficiently protect the the legal rights or the human rights of the individual. That's number one. So that needs to be corrected before any further commissions of this type are implemented. The second one was that, uh, and Fergal Sweeney brings this out clearly, that Yvonne Murphy, in her conduct of the uh, investigation, went beyond her terms of reference. Now, she did this specifically in an area. The terms of reference were that she'd... um, investigate institutional failure. Uh, And this was a very important point because people were invited in to give evidence without uh, resorting to their basic legal rights. And you see, that's what happened at the tribunals and that's why they went on for years and cost a fortune. People were invited in saying that this would investigate not individual failure, but institutional failure. In relation to the HSE, to the Garda, to the uh, DPP's office, uh, <clears throat> the Ivan Murphy stuck to that procedure. But when it came to the church, she named bishops all over the place. Now, the bishops, d- despite what Diamond Martin said, and he was wrong in saying this, the bishops did not have recourse to the sort of legal rights that somebody should well, have when they that, were being publicly He did make that named. point at the time that everybody was entitled to come in with legal representation. Yes, and they were. That is correct, but they didn't, they, they, they didn't have the possibility to question their accusers, to know who their accusers were and to question them. And these are basic human rights when you're being publicly accused of something. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify bishops because by and large they behaved horribly here. And why should I, for, of all people, try to justify bishops? Because in my situation, not one bishop in Ireland has spoken a word in my support. But uh, it's important that procedures are put in place that are correct. Uh, otherwise, things go wrong. You see, again, when I was asked, would I be part of this uh, investi- or this this effort to look at this, I didn't have much choice because, you see, in my own personal life, I'm carrying on a campaign against the Vatican precisely because the procedures they used against me were seriously faulty and unjust. So how could I say... On the one hand, this is my campaign, while on the other hand, not standing up for highlighting faulty procedures in another situation. That's all we were trying to do. We think it's important, not for the past. We don't want to change anything from the Murphy Report, but we do think it's important for the future because who will be the next group that will be investigated by a commission of inquiry? Uh, Whoever they will be, we hope the procedures will be correct. Mary, do you have a reaction to that? I do, and there's a couple of quick things I'd like to say first. Anyone who felt it was unfair or the procedure was wrong, as Archbishop Martin said, had a right to uh, a judicial review. Nobody has gone for a judicial review. He says that, uh, Father Tony there says that the they're not questioning the findings of the Murphy Report. It actually says in the review that uh, the Commission came out with questionable findings. They accused the review of not being ba- of being imbalanced, of not being calm, uh, of setting out, and this is, this is actually ascribing motives to the Commission, of setting out to name and shame 
uh, in lieu of prosecutions, etc. I mean, what has been said about the Commission in this uh, is quite serious. But I'd like to just talk about the reason the review was put up in the first place. And I think it goes to the core of the problem we still have with clergy. And that is the clerical mindset, which puts above, above everything else reputation and secrecy. They did not uh, dispute any of the facts in the Murphy report. The main criticism, the core criticism, was that bishops were named. Now, Father Tony says it didn't, it didn't apply to guards, etc. Two senior guards were very seriously criticised and named. But I'd like to read just one sentence from the review, which I think sums it up completely and sums up the attitude of the reviewer and of those commissioning the review. The problem they had with the commission was this. Page 32 of the review. The conduct, the, the commission was wrong in doing this, according to the review. The conduct of individual clerics, that would be bishops, etc., none of whom were under suspicion of child sexual abuse, had become the focus of the commission's investigation. They were not there to investigate people who had perpetrated sexual abuse. They were there to look at the conduct of those in administration and in positions of responsibility within the institution and to look at their actions in dealing with complaints. Now, how can you do that without focusing your attention on individual clerics and their actions? Isn't it is ridiculous. That a point, Father Tony, and it's yeah, coming up again it, in this new commission, is, uh, Bishop Accountability, and they still haven't said that will be there. Of course it is a point, uh, absolutely a point. Can I just refer back to the judicial review that each person was entitled to apply for a judicial review? Of course, there were, that meant going to the High Court at enormous expense. Now, one person actually did, uh, Archbishop Des Connell or Cardinal Connell, and the media outcry... That was when prior to the commission. Yeah, but the media outcry that 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 accompanied that made it practically impossible for anybody else to do it. Now, uh, they could afford see, commission uh, can, I, can I just continue on to the point? Uh, you see, the naming is the problem. Yeah. Because for once you name a person publicly in a negative fashion, that person is entitled to all judicial representation to defend the, their name, as we had in the tribunals. Now, I think, you see, the commissions of inquiry are dodgy of their nature for precisely that reason. Uh, and I think that if it was anybody else that was being investigated here besides church people, if it was bankers or if it was politicians, they would have been queuing up in the High Court. Uh, so it's very, very difficult. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm not saying everything that Fergal Sweeney said was perfect. I do say that we're raising two questions about this that we would like the legal people and the politicians to look at in view of setting up further commissions of inquiry. That's all we are. I, I don't want to enter into any argument with Mary about this because I suspect that we might find it difficult to agree with each other. <laughs> okay. Can I just say, Mary, that uh, uh, I too am a victim of child sexual abuse, not by a cleric, but yeah. by a neighbour which went on for a good period of my uh, early youth. Uh, so I have a very personal knowledge oh, of the whole business of uh, child sexual abuse. Very briefly, Mary. Just briefly, um, I think, as I say, the problems with 
this obsession with secrecy and uh, reputation. And that's what led us to the problems we have now, protecting priests' uh, reputation and keeping things secret. And I think at the end of the day, the actions that the bishops took who are named, if making their actions which happened in private public uh, damages their reputation, the only one responsible for that is those men because they were their actions, not the commission for making it public. I think just because something is kept secret um, doesn't mean that everything's fine. I think we have to have transparency. And the church has spoken about transparency and the commission was transparent. And I think that was the way it should go. And I'm sad that the uh, Association of Priests felt that they had to have this review. Finally and briefly, Archbishop Martin at the time too said, we must remember in all of this, the children. And claims are being made now that the Catholic Church is probably one of the safest places for children. Could you stand over that, Father Tony? Are we getting oh, there? How far, how far more have we to go? I would hope that we're moving in that direction. But to say that any place is the safest place for children is making an enormous claim. And I would still, uh, you know, go back to what I said. I still think that until such time as the church examines this whole attitude to sexuality, uh, we, we still have a bit to go. I'm amused that, that Mary is, is complaining about me being involved in secrecy <laughs> considering, no, no. considering the row, the row <laughs> exactly I've had with the, the Vatican office. The exact opposite. <laughs> no, um, I would say the church is moving in the right direction. Uh, we are getting more safeguards. They're coming from a le- very low point, but they have come quite a distance. But my worry is that as long as there are clerics still concerned and preoccupied with reputation and uh, people's good name, then we have to uh, we have to worry about the future. And I do people people are entitled to their good name. My my own uh, abuser, I was told by the, the diocese administrators that his, he was entitled to his good name therefore they couldn't cooperate with the police. Well you use good name uh, to to behave incorrectly then it's a worry. I know okay, but we'll everybody have to leave it there. ultimately is entitled to their good name and that is absolutely fundamental to justice. It's okay. not more important to the safety of children than the safety We'll have to leave it there. Mary Collins Father Tony Fallery, thank you both for joining us this evening on The God Slot. And that's our programme for this week. On RTE1 television this Sunday, Blonadny Coffey hears from one of the Irish women who travelled in secret to the UK for an abortion and who's willing to break the taboo that surrounds that subject. That's the moment of truth on Sunday at 25 minutes to 11 on RTE1. Next week, our programme will have a more seasonal feel, so to get you into the mood, we leave you tonight with the English chorale with the Baroque Brass of London performing O Come All Ye Faithful. Until the same time next week, Slán Ispanacht. Mm-hmm.